book of Matthew. Praise God. Hallelujah. In verse 18, Matthew 16, 18. Matthew 16, 18. I'm going to try not to keep it till midnight like I've always done. So try to remind me, i got one anchor right here. Nobody else is anchor. Anybody else? The midnight call. <laughs> My wife is on a strict command to remind me. So I'm a combat, but she's responsible. If I go beyond that, you blame her, don't blame me. Amen. All right. Matthew 16, 18. And I said to thee, Peter, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I, this is Jesus speaking, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Didn't say, let's, let's read your grammar right now. I'm not, I'm not grammarian, but I'll ask your attention to look at the grammar here. I will build my church. Didn't say I did. Didn't say I had. Said I will. So up to this time, he did not have a church. He did not have a church. Now, I want to confuse you now real good. The book of Acts, a guy called Stephen said, there was a church in the wilderness. Are you with me? All right. And if I could find where he said that here. Uh... Here's Stephen talking to the, the fathers the, who, who chased him away and finally killed him. He said, this is this Jesus whom God raised up. I want to find exactly for a year. It wasn't a part of my sermon here, but I'm going to try to find it for a year. All right. In chapter 7, book of Acts. Praise God. I'll find it for you later on. But Stephen said, This is he that was with the church in the wilderness, whom he refused. All right? Uh, he's, talking, he's talking to Israel, and he's rebuking the Pharisees and the Sadducees and telling them how they rejected and killed Jesus Christ. So from verse 35 to verse 60, right within that range, he mentioned how they rejected Jesus Christ in the wilderness. All right, let me see if I can find it for you here. You may be seated. Verse 38. Somebody found it for I did. And I'm looking at it and couldn't see the part I'm looking for. 38. All right, let me see it, please. Now, I'm looking for the, the verse that says. The church in the wilderness. 38. 
Got you right there. Very good. In verse 38, this is he that was in that was in the church in the wilderness. Now, how could that be? Church here. It says, I will be in my church. Now, this one saying there was a church in the wilderness. And one saying there is no church in the wilderness. What was he trying to say to us? I'm going to help you out in just a minute here. All right? Now, let's worship the Lord. Jesus, we want you to bless this study tonight. He said, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm going to walk you through. I could heavily burden you down a bunch of scriptures, but time will not allow me to do it in one night. So what I'm going to do here is show some things here that I want you to see, all right? And it's pretty obvious that... In history, we know... Can you see it, folks? I'm going to see it out some more. I'm looking for the day where you guys are going to leave your pews and come and sit right here. You really want to see it real bad. That'll be the day when Jesus comes, right? All right. How is that? So you can't worry about the board up there. Worry about this. Can you guys see that? Can you all see that? All right. I want to point something that very in a synoptic way, not in any great detail, but to put in perspective, Jesus says, I will build my church. Think about this. Noah built an ark. Moses built a tabernacle. Solomon built a temple. And now Jesus says, It's time for me to do the building. I'm going to stand that. So, when he said, I'll build my church, if you don't get that perspective in your mind, you'll not appreciate what he's saying. The ark is no longer with us. The tabernacle is history. Solomon's temple is history. They're all disappeared. But he said, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. All right? Now, let me take it back to the beginning here. There are two gentlemen that are prominent in our lives today, and that's Adam in the Garden of Eden and Adam in the Garden of Gethsemane. Follow? Adam in the Garden of Gethsemane and Adam in the Garden of Eden. The same serpent showed up. The Lord said, said the prince of this world cometh and have nothing in me. Talk about Satan and Judas. They came and they could not overthrow him. Now that's not how Jesus looked. That's my figment of my, of my imagination. I'm drawing. Can you, can you come and see this? You can see this, okay? And but this man brought sin in the world. If you read the entire chapter, First Corinthians 15, it will give you the display of the differences between these two men. How one brought on certain things on a sin, and one took it away. All right? That's very important if you know that. Now, in your Bible, uh, from Genesis to Revelation, Genesis starts out with uh, the beginning of things, and Revelation is the ending of all things. Now, everything after Genesis, okay, which is Exodus, right to the book of Jude, really is the process of fulfilling Whatever is promising 
in the book of Genesis. Genesis have the promises and revelation of the fulfillment or the satisfaction of the promises. And between that is the process. Okay? Now, a little, sta- a little sta- statement I make and I use it says that in the Old Testament, Christ is predicted. In the Gospel, Christ is presented. In Acts, Christ is proclaimed. In the Epistles, Christ is possessed. In Revelation, is unveiled. Again, in the Old Testament, Jesus is predicted. In the New Testament, He's presented. In the Acts, He's proclaimed. In the Epistles, He is possessed. Is Christ in you? And in Revelation, He is unveiled. Now, I'm going to do some some graphics showing you my representation of Jesus. Back to my drawing board here. I'm going to see this. There are many things I've drawn on this board. Is that right? But here is the clock, 72 weeks. The time we're in right now, we are governed by three clocks. This, ten toes, and Israel time, time clock. Israel is a time clock for us called the fig tree. Now, this is the, the world's clock. So what time is it? We don't know what time it is unless we read the Bible. And the Bible shows us. Now, I'm not going to discuss these ten toes tonight. And I'm going to talk to you about this gap right here tonight. There's a gap right here. Because God has placed a time clock on Israel, which is what this is. Daniel chapter 9. Talk about the time clock God placed in Israel. And Israel is affecting all of us. Even right now, we're being affected by Israel. All the war in the Middle East is still over her, even though they're fighting each other. It's about Israel, okay? And it makes sense because the devil doesn't want Israel to exist. He wants to destroy her. And he can't do it because God said it won't happen. And just like God says, the church, I'll build the church, and you can't overcome it. He just threw everything he can at it. And the church still bounces back. Many have tried to eliminate the church, but never could do it. Because believers are everywhere around the world. I'm going to talk to you about this gap right here. But before I get to the gap, let me show you what happened here. In Daniel chapter 9, you recall I showed you in chapter 9, 23, 24, the reason why God gave Daniel these information. He was praying because he studied Scripture like we should, and God told him that here's what's going to happen to your people and your city and your religion. And God told him in verse 23, 24, what is going to happen in those 70 weeks. I'm not going to go with it again, but before. Now, here's the graphic representation of what we're talking about here. We're dealing right now, you and I are living in this gap. Now, you may not know this, but when God put Israel on hold, that's when he started building his church. If you ever study creation in Genesis chapter 1, it's amazing if you graphically draw what God is doing. It's amazing what he does. God makes something like this. He split it in half, put a half on weight, and work on this half. And when it's finished with itself, he goes back to this other half, split another half, and work on one half, and the rest is waiting. I'm going to understand that. 
it's not just bang and there it was. Not true. He told you it took him seven days or six days to do it all. And if you look, uh, please draw it. Make it an assignment for the Sunday school kids. Draw it, and you will see what takes place. And you'll be amazed how God operates. All right? Now, so when God stopped working with Israel, right, he said, Now, other sheep I have, them also I must bring. Obviously, they're not a part of this system. From Genesis right up to Malachi, God seemingly only have interest in Israel and Israel alone. That's how it's seen. So you go to the Old Testament and read it, you find no place for you. You're pagan. You are aliens. You're Gentile dog. You're, you're foreigner. You're stranger. You don't belong. And if you come in, you have to be baptized into their religion and become a proselyte, and you're never equal to them. You're always standing out. You can never go where they could go in the temple. You're always an outsider. Right? It's strictly Jewish. All of this is Jewish. And so the world obviously don't like Israel because Israel were God people or was God people and we and them fought. Now Jesus Christ came and he died. And when he died, because they rejected him, so he turned to us. I'm a parents I know one particular parent had a, a beautiful daughter, in fact three two daughters and one son. When the first daughter, she was temperamental and, and just self-willed. And she gets something and she doesn't want it. And she would just scream at the mom. You know, the dad would, would take that gift away from that child and give it to a stranger. And she cried. She gets spanked. And that's what God did. He took from Israel what he gave them and gave it to us. To provoke them to jealousy. To what? To provoke them to jealousy. And they don't like the idea of you calling God your father. And that you know him and all that stuff. You know, they don't want you to call that. And so we talk about Judeo Christian and all that, but we're not Judeo Christian, really. We're Christians. Judaism and Christianity will never meet, they're a separate entity. Judaism, talk about this back here the first 69 weeks. Christianity is about the gap. The 17th week is not about Christianity. It's about Judaism and God. Okay? Now, this gap right here, we're dealing with this gap right now, and we know how long this gap is going to be. For, from Scripture, I know from Hosea 6, 1 to 2, it tells me how long it's going to be, two days long, or beyond two days. And Hosea chapter 3, and verse 4 to 5, it's many days, which means many years. And so we know what it's going to be like. And we know when God starts counting from the 70 weeks, which is the rebuilding of His temple, the rebuilding of the city, and the whole purpose of this rebuilding was after the first captivity of the southern tribe to Iraq, which is Babylon back then, that to come back and rebuild so that the prophecy of old time would come to pass and they prepare for the Messiah. So that to rebuild, so the Messiah come, he find a temple and Jerusalem in the hand of Israel. Even though they were still subservient to Rome. Because here at this point, a lot of things was happening back there. The Grecian reign. The Grecian Empire was in, was in power. 
And then, obviously, Alexander died, so his generals took over. And, and when they took over, they fought each other until they shrunk down to two. Right? And those two kingdoms become Egypt and Syria. They're still fighting today. And one's called Seleucid, which is the Syrians, and Ptolemy is the Egyptian. And the strongest was the Syrian. Now, these Grecians, when they were in power, they translate the Bible from Hebrew to Greek. They reigned for a while, and then they lost power to Rome. Rome came on the scene, and Rome built roads, highways, and laws, and other stuff that we don't want to talk about today. So, Grecian influence and Roman influence was right in the time when Jesus Christ was born. It was. But the Jews are still a nation, but ruled by Rome. That's why Herod was in the position he was in. Herod is a descendant of Esau, which despised anyone to do with Jacob. And Jesus knew that, right? And so, uh, when Jesus was born, he was born under that system and died under that system. Now, when he said, I'll build my church, it was before he died. He said that. I'm going to show you later on how he went about building his church. Now, we see here the reason why the Jews return and rebuild the walls in the temple. And this happened on Osiris, by the way. We're going to read Ezra and Nehemiah talk about rebuilding of the temple and rebuilding of the wall. So read tonight Ezra. It's about rebuilding of the temple. The temple that Jesus said would be destroyed and was destroyed in 70 A.D. That was built to receive him, right? Otherwise, how this could be fulfilled? The Lord whom you seek shall suddenly appear in his temple. If there is no temple, how can he appear there, right? So God gave Cyrus, right, to do that, and he rebuilt it free. Obviously, there were problems trying to build it, but he built anyhow. Then the walls were rebuilt. Jerusalem was re- rebuilt for the Israelites. So when Jesus Christ came, uh, they had a temple, and they were in Jerusalem, and they were allowed to operate because Rome allowed it as long as they could tax them and they had uh, Caesars over them okay and so when Jesus died he had that system but he said I'll build my church when well we're going to see now he predicted in Matthew 24 the destruction of this rebuilt temple and the downing of this wall rebuilt it, it all happened in 70 AD and 130 AD the, the people were banished Completely. Now, in this frame here, he's going to build himself a church. So we need to talk more about that. Let's go on. Okay. How much time the Gentiles have today? Well, the ten toes limit our time in power and, and authority. I'm going to watch. If I look to see 2018, what's going to happen? Because really, 2018 is when 70 years is up. And obviously, Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 A.D. Are you with me? There's consistency in the Bible. So every 70 years, something's going to happen. And things are happening right now, you know, in our world that people don't understand, but it looks like it's pointing to the coming of Jesus. After two days, well, we've gone past two days already. 
year 2015, based on our clock. Now, in God's clock, I have no idea where we are in God's clock. Because for God, 360 days make one year. For us, 365 and a half. With different time frames. Okay. Now, we see Israel rebuilt or thing, but I don't talk about Israel right now. I want to rush on to where I want to go. And this is about Israel, and I don't want to discuss it right now because my talk is about the church. Is that right? I'm moving on here. No, I just talk about that because that's about the, the the Israelites. So where are you going, Pastor Neil? I'll talk about the gap. Now, this is a quick display of how God operates. The first 4,000 years, strictly Israeli and God. Israel and God. You are the enemies. We are the enemies. Our ancestors are. Right? But we all came out of the boat. And guess what boat? Noah's boat. In chapter 10 and 11 of the book of Genesis, right? We come down to a man called Shem. And Shem, the son of Noah, right? Gave birth to the nation of Israel. And the rest of us come from Japheth and Ham. Good. Now, so these 4,000 years, we didn't have any connection with God that I know of, except maybe Job. Job knew God, and some sprinkling of people, they were godly back then, because God didn't put them on the main stage, because they were not his program. Israel was his program. All right? So we're talking about this 2,000 years right here. If you miss uh, Easter service, well, we'll talk about this in Easter. I won't go over it again. You can get a tape on that. All right. Now I'll talk about this. I will build my church. What church? He's not going to build an ark. He won't build a tabernacle. He will not build a temple. He called my body the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're called the building of the Lord. Your members in particular. You're compacted. Right? And Jesus Christ is that rock on which we are founded on. So Jesus Christ, after his birth, life, death, burial, and resurrection, now is qualified to build a church. And this church is going to build. He did not want any man to build it or any angels. He says, I will build my church. By this time, Israel had already rejected him. But he's got 12 men that are from the tribe of Israel. And they are the founding foundation material on which he would start building his church, 12 apostles, right? On that, he would lay everything else. So you're, you're, you're built upon the foundation of the what? The apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ himself, the chief cornerstone. Right? Good. So here, we're going to find, in this gap, when he stopped talking to 
Israel who rejected him he says I will not come back until you tell me blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord so the 70 weeks really deal with his first coming and the second coming the first coming to die second coming to, to, to save them the first time they rejected him now while he quit working with them I mean he's still watching over them he's, he's, he called himself a little tent among his people He's still protecting them from annihilation. But he allowed them to be uh, harassed by anti-Semitism. That's going to drive them back to him. Now, while that's taking place, guess what he did? He reached for the dead, went back to the upper room, and began to talk to these men, 500 brethren. He's talking to them and telling them to wait for a certain thing to happen. And while they're waiting, the Holy Ghost came on them. That's the birth of the church. Now, folks, let me tell you again, very plainly and straightly, like I told them on Easter, that if you deny the word Holy Ghost, you're denying that Jesus Christ died and raised from the dead. Because you can't get the Holy Ghost unless He come back from the dead. If you change the word in Acts 2.38, remission, and put there, forgiveness, you deny again the resurrection and the death of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, they always had forgiveness back here. But they never had remission of sin. And if you don't want to prove that, read Hebrews chapter 10, very plainly, tells you very plainly, and it's written to the Hebrew saints, that there's a difference between forgiveness and remission of sins. Okay? Now, so what happened here, I want you to pick up your Bible in your hand, because I'm going to walk you through your Bible, which is the only foundation you have to go by. you got nothing else to go by but your Bible. If that's wrong, the whole thing is wrong, your time. Your Bible, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John the gospel, it talk about the fulfillment of the prophets, statements about Jesus. In fact, I should show you this, because you need to know this. In the book of Luke 24, and you please go there with me, don't look on the board, go in your Bible. I want you in your Bible. So when you're working for God, you know where to turn. You will not have this thing on the board to show you where. All right? And if I was as skillful as, as Caleb, I don't know where the scripture is found about church in the wilderness, right? I'm not as skillful as you are. But I will tonight. I got some help for you. More eyes than he has. All right. Here is Jesus' appearance in verse 36, 24 the chapter. In fact, first of all, Jesus is talking to some people on the eminence journey in verse 13. I don't want you to spend time reading it. But then he's correcting them in verse 25, 26, and told them, he called them fools. Well, I didn't call them that. He did. I said, ought not Christ to have suffered? Christ means Messiah. How do I know that? Because the discussion he had with a girl at the well, he said, I know Messiah cometh, and Jesus says, I am he. So Messiah and Christ mean the same thing. And Jesus told us who the Messiah is. He says, I am he. Right? Good. 
He said, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things? Or it happened to me, as was written. And to enter into his glory, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets. Notice, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, expound all to them the things concerning himself. Now, beginning at Moses, what book Moses wrote? Matthew, Matthew, Mark, and John? No. Oh, what did Moses wrote? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Done. That's it. Moses' writings. Right? Good. And so Moses gave us the law and the covenant and all the whole systems. God called that at Mount Sinai the church in the wilderness. That's Moses' church. And Jesus was that Shekinah, the glory and the voice, but they don't know that. Right? They weren't told. How would they know? Right? Now, and Jesus said, if you believe Moses' writing, you believe me. For he wrote of me. John 5, it says that. He wrote of me. And then, here's the, here's the booming, boomerang right here. He told him in verse 36 to 39 that he's not a spirit, he's flesh and blood. I mean, flesh and bones. I mean, he came from the dead because they know he died. And then after three days, he stinks. He's alive. And they don't believe it. Right? Because they thought that he was a spirit in verse 39. He said, no, I'm not a spirit. It's me. He said, give us some food to eat. Notice here, Jesus is not vegetarian. He didn't say, give us some vegetables. They give us some meat. So all your vegetarians got problems. Every time I hear him ask for some food, they give us some meat. They give us some vegetables. So only people who, who lack understanding are vegetarian, right? And for their sake, you, you, eat, veg, you eat veggie with them. <laughs> All right, that's, that's free advertisement here. <laughs> okay, let's move on here. Verse 44. <laughs> he did eat, and then he told him, in verse 44, this is the key right here. 44 to 45 to 49. That's the key. That's where Trinitarian missed out. Their pastor will not take them there. He says, All that Moses wrote concerning me, I have to fulfill it. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's what the book says. He did it. They all end that way. He did it. Once he's done it, that means the testator died. And there's a secret here. Here's why he came back to life. He couldn't merit a church while Israel is, and him is alive. So when he died, the marriage vows ceased. So when he comes back to life, he's free to marry whoever he will. Israel's husband is dead. As far as she's concerned, he's dead. So she has no claim on him. Now he come back to life. He could marry us. And we're called the bride of Christ. Israel hates that. Must have think you're crazy. But we know it's true. We're the bride of Christ. Now, look at this here. He said, everything in the law of Moses, in the prophets, in the Psalms, because those are the three divisions of the Jewish Bible, law, prophets, and Psalms. Right? 
Those are the three divisions of the Hebrew Bible. Start with Malachi. It is all about me, not us, not them. Me. Then, here's the, here's the revelation now. He opened their understanding that they may understand the Scripture. He's not teaching Israel this. He's teaching this to his twelve. Are you with me? He's, he's revealing it to them. Because he hoped that you're not going to believe on him through their writings, through their words. Verse 4 to 6. Thus it's written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, for example, Isaiah chapter 3 and more, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins. That's exactly where Peter got Acts 2.38 from, right there. I hope you see it. I hope you see it. And that's the key. There's no salvation if there's no death of Christ. First Corinthians 15, talk about that. If there's no resurrection, you're hopeless. Your faith is in vain. Verse 47 is the key. That's the keys to the kingdom. That repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name. These pastors out there are preaching false doctrine. In his whose name? His name. What's his name? Well, that's it. Beginning at Jerusalem. What's he doing? He's planting the seed to build a church. And the church building must start with the apostles. And they say, You are my witnesses in verse forty and forty nine. But tarry in Jerusalem until you would do with power from on high. Now you know that Jesus Christ breathed on them and says, Receive he what? So who is the Holy Ghost? I am with you and shall be who shall be in you. He said, I'm with you and shall be in you. Whom the world seeth not, but you seeth him. I'm I'm with you and I'm going to be in you. Christ in you the what? Who's in you? Christ. Well, you either got three ghosts in you or one. <laughs> but I know Christ in you and the Holy is the same person. Are you with me? But when I use the word Christ, I want to bring in perspective the idea of a Messiah. Now, so, in your Bible, the New Testament in reality is not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's intertestament the transition between here and there with me don't forget that now the New Testament really is one book Acts the rest of the books you're reading there are churches to be started later Acts is the, that's why Acts has no ending. I realize that. Turn the book of Acts at end. There's no end. You don't even read that Paul got killed in that scripture. Because that's not the way to end the book of Acts. In the end when Paul died. I understand that. So it's a left open book. All other epistles have ending except that book. Why? Because it's not going to end with him. We're still in the book of Acts. So, I'll be in my church. 
Acts tells us about the birth of the church, which all Trinitarians do not teach or practice. That's why they're all going to be lost. And then the structure of the church is in the epistles. All Trinitarians preach this as the born-again experience, and they're wrong. Dead wrong. Because everything in the epistles is written not to sinners. It's written to churches. Don't forget that. He's writing to a congregation. In Revelation, he's writing to preachers. We call that rightly dividing the word of truth. So he's been in this church, the structure. Now, the epistles are behaving exactly as Levitical preachers would behave. This is the, the, the born again, that's your amount of sign experience. In fact, let me get an experience here. Go with me to the 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Go there. <coughs> and glance down the pages very quickly. Some of you are not looking. I guess you, you have it all memory in your head. That's good. I guess you are sharper than Caleb, I guess. We'll contest later on. All right. What does it say there? Paul is writing to a Grecian Corinthian church, not to Hebrews. Not to Israelites. One of the churches he started. He's writing to them. And he's saying, look guys, back up for a minute here. You have the same experience that Israel went through. And you're going to behave just like they do. Have the same response like they had. Be careful what you're doing. You know what he's saying? So, we know he's not telling the Corinthians how to be saved. He's telling them how to maintain what they've got. And then revelation is the wedding, the consummation. Right? I will build my church. He, has, and he's, he is building his church. When he's complete, like Noah's ark, the flood will come. Like Moses' tabernacle, when he was done, the glory came down. Was the end to that? Right? When the temple was completed, the glory came down. And when the church is finished, he will come down. Are you with me? So, while he put on hold the 70th week, he's building in between that time, working with the Gentiles. So, he turns back on Israel, and now I said, I'll go to the Gentiles. And I will graft them into this plan. Can you see that? What grafted me? In Jamaica, they grafted tangerine with grapefruit trees. I've seen that. They bark it, stick it in there, wrap it up, in a few days, bah, one tree producing two kind of fruits. Right? They've been grafted in. Alright? So you're grafted into Abraham. You become Abraham's children by faith. Not by blood. By faith. So when Jesus Christ came and died, he provided the means for the grafting in of Gentiles. Alright, look at this here, folks. So the apostolic age... Is not 445 BC. That's Jewish. It's a Jewish time week that brought the Messiah in. Now the Messiah came and died and went back to heaven and returned to us in Acts chapter 2, right? He went up in Acts chapter 1 
returned to Acts chapter 2, and never left since. Lo, I am with you always. So he's been on his church. So these 28 chapters is the progress of the church. Where's Israel? Bandish around the world. But really, for not know what God was doing, when God took the Grecian kingdom and gave it to Greece, he had in mind the language. When God gave Rome the ascendancy of power, he had the, the mind of road building on which the gospel would be taken to the world. And when the Jews are scattered around the world, it makes it easy for global evangelism. Because Paul always started his faith by going to the known and then going to the unknown. He first converted Jews that were exiled in those countries. And so that Jesus is the Christ, well, of course, get the opposition. And some believe and some didn't believe. And those who believe, what did he do? He just pulled them into his church doctrine. And there are proselytes, Gentiles, who already were following Judaism. When they have the revelation of who they are now, they left that and come and joined Paul. So you're going to see here, very quick synopsis here. In 33 AD, Jesus Christ died. In 6 to 5 AD, that's when the book of Acts, as Acts 1.28, stopped recording. I understand that. And then, beyond that is Apostle Paul. Uh, I mean, John, not, not Paul, but John, takes over and reigns. I'm going to show you in a minute here. So, from Acts 1 to Acts 28, we have Peter, Barnabas, Paul, as a crowning leadership. You see in a minute. John took over after they all died. He continued on. So John saw 70 A.D. Paul didn't. Peter didn't. I understand that. Barnabas didn't. And John went beyond that to 95 A.D. When he got the Patmos experience. He was very old then. He was the youngest among the apostles. So he outlived them all. I understand that. And so when he reached in his 80s or 90s, he was on the Alapatmos and brought back the book of Revelation. Makes sense? Because Jesus is presented in that scripture as an apostle, the chief apostle to an apostle to write to his church. And now, he said, I will build my church according to Revelation. Now the church has existed. He's calling everything the apostles did in Acts, my church. His church. Everybody's his. I understand that. So here we have Patmos in 95 A.D. Why am I telling you this? Because now we're in 215 A.D. So you are on a journey. This thing from a long way before us. We are the Latter-day Saints. Right? I mean, honestly, when were you born, honestly? What year? 2004. But guess what? I was born in 48, long before you came in the world. Right? But if I go to some other person, they were way before me. You can plot that on a straight line. I'm doing the same thing here. I'm going to stand that. 
I'm showing you in the timeline the, the, the events that concern his church. His church left Jerusalem because the Lord says, beginning at Jerusalem to the uttermost part of the, the world. That means far-flung field. That means God intended a multicultural church. The Jews want an ethnic church. Jesus says, no. You see, just a minute here. So in 1948, we see things happen. Now, Rome came in in, in uh, 311, 345, 80, 325. So our false doctrine really took over. And then Mohammed came in 600-something, 80. They came after Pentecost. So the faith is already established among the saints. Once delivered. Understand that. It's once delivered. So, once Peter used the key, he does not have to come and use the key in McMurray. He has already opened the... The door is now shut, so I don't need a key. All I need is to enter in through the door. And Jesus Christ says, if I enter in any other way, I'm a thief, honor what? Robber. So, if anybody come into the church any other way, I don't care how prosperous they are, they're thieves. They're robbers and they're lost. They're going to die lost when it's all over because they're not coming through the right way. Okay? Now, uh, so you can see the timeline here. In, three, in 33 AD, he built his church. And we see the book of Acts completed by 65 AD. And that's where Paul ended, the Gentile. And really, then we see John took over and continue on. He's still being his church in 2015. Now, every city in McMurray, or every, I mean in, in uh, Alberta, may not have a church, but Alberta has a church. One person is a church. Two is a church. Because we are compacted in the body. We're members in particular. Okay? It's like the forest and the trees in the forest. If you want to talk about the church universal, he added to the church universal every day. But to the church individually, he meant add one every day. In other words, in Fort Mackay, there could be a tremendous revival taking place and none down here. Now, use the word revival in, in the wrong way because you, you don't revive sinners, you, you, you convert sinners. You revive saints. So the revival is a wrong used word. And we got that from Trinitarians. It's not ours. It's not in the Bible, the New Testament. It's an Old Testament term. All right. Now, your Bible, I want you to go to the index of your Bible, your King James Version Bible. Go there, please. The index of your King James Version Bible. Please go there. I'm going to walk you through the process here. I expect, I expect you to work for God. I expect you to know the Word of God, not just your opinion and my opinion, but the Word of God. The, tool, the tools are the trowel and the saw that makes the building. <laughs> right? And I'm going to tell you right now, you have to deal with tares and chaffs. But you're supposed to be the wheat of the Lord, the fine-grained wheat. Now, in your Bible, Jesus Christ said, He prayed that, the world would believe on him through their words. Not your word, apostles' word. If the apostles make one error in, the, in this Bible, 
because the entire Bible is useless, worthless, not worth anything. If you blame Peter or any apostle for not following Jesus' teaching, then the whole Bible that they wrote is not good. And you have to explain to me, why is Jesus Christ working with them, confirming their word? If they're in error, why is he confirming their word? Why? Why is he not rebuking them? <laughs> we didn't have to rebuke Peter, he did. And when he doesn't have to, doesn't he? He confirmed his word. Now, your Bible, found in the book of Acts, are these, these here, between... 44, 63 A.D., found in the book of Acts. We gonna be, these people, right, the Corinthians, the Galatians, the Romans, Roman church, the Ephesians church, Cosmos church, and the Philippians church, Philemon is a person who was over a certain group and be with the church in, in uh, the other scene. Uh, these, these books here, I'm showing you when they were written. When they were written. In other words, we don't need a translator to come and tell us how to use our Bible. It's already written down. These men wrote letters to churches established, and God used them as the model. And said, you are going to follow what they did. Right? He told one Jew, go do likewise. So we're being told, go do likewise. Follow their footprints. Now, he's building this church. Where's Israel at this time? See, do they have their temple? No. Do they have their festivities? No. They lost their identity, lost their culture, lost everything. They're scattered. But while they're scattered, he's building a church that comprised of Jews and what? Now, writings beyond the book of Acts are these. When you read these books, First Peter, Jude, First Timothy, Titus, Second Timothy, and Hebrews, and Second Peter, and so on. You don't find the book of Acts, right? Why? Why? They're not mentioned. Because God's trying to tell you something here. Now, you'll see it better when I show you over here. Oh, it's not too complex for you. I mean, you can see that. Now, for me to do this, my hands get pretty cramped doing this. Now, I hope you cramp your hand to or, or crank up your phone and get a picture of it. Okay? But you need to know this, great. You need to know the Word of God. When I take my Bible, it's my Bible unlike the Koran. The Koran is disjointed. You can go from Genesis and track down the transitions and the interconnections, the continuation. For example, the book of Judges. you got Esther and you got Ruth and all those coming in the picture. But notice when they came in the picture, they're preparing the way for something to happen next. Right? So, our Bible is a continuum of a, situ of a drama or a situation happening and, and going to end somewhere. Alright? So, Jesus Christ came at the fullness of time, not before that time. Right? Look at this right here. The message of building my church. The foundation is already laid. The scriptures and the doctrine are established concerning the comings of Jesus Christ, who Christ is, 
the ministries that built the church and the preeminence of Jesus Christ. So when I read in my Bible, First and Second Thessalonians, which came into existence in 52 and 53 AD when it was written, it talked about the coming of Christ. A big word, eschatology. don't mean nothing. The proper word is, so say, the coming of Jesus Christ. That was sufficient. Okay? Then the books that deal with Christ's identity is Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon. They were written within the time frame of 602-603 A.D. These are churches already established or individuals in the church and were telling the church how to behave. It's like me wanting to talk to the people in Athabasca and St. Albert. I cannot be there, so I fax them the same sermon I preached to you. Right? Or I video it. Or I webinar it. Same thing. Now, are they responsible for what I told them? Absolutely. <laughs> Am I accountable for what I told them? Yes. But they're responsible to receive it. What if they don't? They're still liable. Just like everybody in the city who is not in this church will be responsible for what I preach in the city, even though they had no access to it. In other words, ignorance is no excuse for disobeying the law. Right? Okay. Now, Philippians and Colossians, these books talk about Jesus Christ, and there's no trinity in any of these. The ministry, you can tell how I should behave, and I can tell how you should behave. When I read First, Second Timothy, and Titus, that's how I should behave. And when I read Ephesians and Colossians, that's how you should behave. So we know, we know how each other should, be, should behave as individuals in the church. What is he doing? He's building his church. What do we become? A kingdom of two things. Priests and kings. And ambassadors. Right? The Lord gave me a revelation about his word. And I think to be the revelation. And that is, we've always taught that the talents in the church, the struggle of talents, mean money. It doesn't mean money. It means people. When God brought people into the church... He expects me, always in authority, to use those talents for the furtherance of his kingdom. And not to make use of them is a blotch on my part, if they qualify. And if I did and they don't, then they'll be called slothful, and they'll go to hell for it, not me. So he judged the custodian of the talents and say you didn't put that talent in the field of market so it was it sat there and died was not used was not fruitful in other words send me John Mark Titus go to Crete well I don't want to go well okay be a Jonah fine you don't have to go you don't have to be anything. But when Jesus Christ come, he called you all servants. Have you been produced? You're out. He'll throw you out. Because in the world to come, you will serve him. And if you can't serve him now, you won't serve him then. Right? That's why the 25th chapter of Matthew deals with stewardship. How you spend your time after I saved you. Because 
Paul was saved for a reason. You see why? Now look at this, folks. Book of Acts. People in our city and around the world hate that book. They don't even read it. It's not a storybook. It is a drama book of God building His church among all nations, kindreds, and tongues, crossing all barriers, every kind, to come with a cosmopolitan church that suits Him fine. You name it, I can show in the Bible where God dealt with it already. You can't come up with nothing that was not in the Bible. It's already done. There's nothing new under the sun. Now look at this, folks. All right. Between 30 and 37 A.D., right? Seven years, right? We found the founding of the church from Acts 1 to 7. You don't want to write this down somewhere. Or mark your Bible. When I first got saved and I wanted to learn this thing, I wrote my Bible. <laughs> because I want to know it. I want to tell people that I know what I'm talking about. But from Acts 1 to 7, right? is the founding of the church between 30 to 37 A.D. Seven years. And then from Acts 8 to Acts 13 is the transition where it goes from Jews to Gentiles. Inclusion. It started first with Jews only. And then what happened? Gentiles start coming. You know, in the next few months, this church could change it. its its mosaic. We call it make them all Spanish, all blacks, all Filipinos. It could happen. There's nothing you can do about it. That's how God saved people. That's what He wants. He said, "Well, I don't want to be in that church. Too bad. In heaven, you'd be kicked out. You don't take out around the church. You just fit in. Whether rich or poor, you don't have a say in that. God set in the church." Some guys say, well, I only want my nationality in the church and my other. You don't have that choice. <laughs> he said, I pick who I want. I set in the body as it suits him. That's why some people are not picked. doesn't suit him. Amazing, isn't it? All right, Acts 8 to 13, transition. From being Jews only to Jews and Gentiles. And that covers... Uh, from 37 A.D. to 47 A.D. You can see, 10 years. So, stole his building. And then, Paul came on the scene, and it switched from being totally Jewish, in Acts 1 to 7, and it jumped to dominance by Gentiles. He's in Asia Minor. And the European rest around the world. He left Jerusalem. They want to stay in the upper room. I said, no, get out. <laughs> and he puts them out in the street. They wouldn't go, so he brought persecution on them and drove them out. Right? So the apostles stayed in Jerusalem, and the saints spread. And when Paul was caught and brought in, like a ram in a ticket, he came in, and he was born in Turkey, so he knows Asia Minor quite well. He knows the culture, so he's suited for the job. And God chose him and said he's a chosen vessel. And so we have missionary work one, two, and three by the Apostle Paul. So we know what a missionary should be, how they should be, how they should behave, because Paul set the groundwork for missionary endeavor. The Apostle didn't do it. Paul did it. 
He said, the cares of all the churches are on me. One guy said, one, a pastor came pastor went to one church. I said, a lie. Paul pastored all these churches. He says, the cares of all the churches was on me and me alone. Nobody helped him. One time Peter tried and got in trouble with him because <laughs> Peter was offbeat. And he corrected Peter. Peter accepted the correction and moved on. Now look at this, folks. Between 47 and 50 AD, Paul went on his first missionary journey in Acts 13, 15. If you want to work for God, you should know this. You can't help people if you don't know what you're talking about. If it's not in you, you can't give it out. You may ramble for a while, but after a while you'll be caught fraud. Right? So, Acts 13 15, between 47 and 50 AD, Paul went on the first missionary journey. Unsupported. Went by himself. Then, from 50 to 54 AD, Paul went on the second missionary journey. By the way, Acts 15 is when they brought Paul on trial. So Paul is teaching false doctrine, right? Because don't forget, Jews are in the church, and they haven't broken away from the temple yet. The temple is not yet destroyed, right? And they want to mix Judaism with Christianity. And Paul says, it's not going to work. Now, in Asia, he told the Gentiles, you don't have to keep Moses' Levitical law. It's not for you. Sabbath is not for you. Dietary thing is not for you. Da-da-da. Well, that makes the Jews mad. He's teaching contrary to Moses' law. That's why they killed Stephen in the first place. And now Paul's do that, they brought him to trial in Acts 15. And then the apostle said, look, man, we didn't ask those guys to do that. They're on their own. They're false. They're wrong what they're doing. And gave Paul a letter. Paul went back and told the rest, look, guys, I'm telling you the right thing. So Paul's second missionary journey is Acts 15 to 18. You call this dividing the word of God. Right? And then, after that, Paul's third and final missionary journey is in Acts 18.28. And we left them in prison or on a house arrest, teaching, preaching, and the Jews totally rejected him. Three times God tried to turn Israel around and couldn't do it. First, with Jesus, with Stephen, hello, and right here. Acts 28. Couldn't do it. And Paul dust his shoes off on them and said, you're on your own. Bye. I go to the Gentile. That's how it closes. And what we see happen right there is no more we read about any more acts of the apostles. The doors closed as far as we know. But it continued on. It really did cause, because now these churches are still around and the apostles are all crucified. Here's Paul imprisonment here. Paul captivities. In uh, chapter 21, 28 to 28, Paul were several times arrested for teaching what he's teaching. In Jerusalem, Acts 21 to 23, AD 58, they arrested him. In Caesarea, he was arrested in, in, in Acts 23, 26. And then he finally got beheaded in Acts 27, 28 in Rome. They beheaded him after being there for quite a while. They beheaded him. Now, it's important you understand that God's building this church. And this is how it's done. So, I don't go to Rome to learn how to build my church. Here's a map. I'm showing you the gap. The gap, this gap. There are three missionary journeys in that gap. 
And the third journey is still going on right now. You are an ambassador. Every one of you in this church that are born again is an ambassador. And if you understand what that really means, you'd be a lot more faithful to this church and God than you've ever been. Even your kids don't realize how blessed you are. If you're an ambassador, you're, you're actually saying, I don't belong to earth. You're actually saying, I'm an angel on earth. A messenger trying to reach aliens to bring them to where I belong. I wish to God you understand that. Some guy said, I'm too busy on my job. I ain't got no time. My time is for my family. and I got to be my family. Well, you know what? You might lose your soul. Your family can't save you. Eli put his family first and got lost with them. And Lot could have always done the same thing. I'm serious. Jesus Christ will not share you with anybody. He said, I bought you. Now, you don't have to be a Christian. You can if you want to. But the moment you're a Christian, you're his. And if he wants to, he can martyrdom you. Or he could make an apostle out of you. A king. Promote you, demote you, whatever he wants to do. He's the boss. You can't do a thing about it. Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's amazing. So folks understand that. All right, so. Sum this up very, very quickly for you. Look at this, folks. I will build my church. Between 30 and 63 AD, the church is already built. Once it's built, you don't, you don't keep on building it. You keep it. add to it. Foundation is laid. You're adding to a foundation. And Paul said, now be careful what you add. Be careful what you're putting on it. Right? This building is called the house of God only because we're here. When you leave and have no interest in it, it's just fabricated building. But when you are happy to the space to worship, you say, this is my house. But my temple is your body. It's the temple of God. So, you'll be elevated. Now, Acts 1 to 7, folks, it was controlled by the Jewish system. The church is a universal church. Now, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, go there. Go to all the world and preach gospel to all creatures. That's what they did right here. Acts 1 to 7 started with Jews. Acts 8 to 12, it's, it began to bring in other, other nations. Our district must be a multicultural district. It can't have one kind of people only. If it does, something's wrong with the leadership. Definitely wrong. Because don't forget, by one blood he make all nations. And by one man he save all nations. Go through the same door. And John saw the completed church in heaven. And so they came from all nations, kindreds, and what? Tongues, but all their jaw was around one man, Jesus Christ. Let's worship him right now. Praise God. Praise God. Now, folks, when I first came to church, I want to know all this. And you don't realize how blessed you are. 
And you need to realize, you need to realize that when you are on your own in your bedroom or in your prayer time, you should be studying this. First, for personal development. Proper understanding of the Bible that you're reading. This book is not haphazardly put together. Right? Look at this. The Jewish, the birth of the church, all Jewish, in Acts 1 and 7. Right? Acts 8 and 12. You see who's in control? Not Barnabas. Not, in, 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 not Peter, rather. It's Barnabas. So, let's back up again. Acts 1 and 7. Peter is the lead. In Acts 8 and 12, Barnabas is in control. In fact, Barnabas brought Paul to the rest to make Paul acceptable to the church because nobody trusted him that he was converted. They didn't believe it, right? Peter couldn't convince the Jews that, that, that Cornelius was saved. He had to fight and say, yes, God did receive them, right? By the Holy Ghost. In Acts 13 to 28 are the missionary journeys. So when we ask you to support mission, we're asking you not for ourselves. Because nobody supported Paul, only a few churches, and they should have. But they didn't. But they should have. And by the way, I'm telling you, I didn't know this. Once you reach 70, you can't, you can't have GIC anymore. I tell you, stop. You're old. You know, you're on your way out. Because you can only have these investments up to a certain age, after which it's pointless. You will not be around to receive it. So you're best spending on the cause. Now, when you spend on the cause, when you're gone, like David the smart, David spent on the temple building so that when he was gone, the temple was there. Now, they ruined it, but David built it for God. He provided the material and so on. So I want you to understand this, folks. Here, the birth of the church, Acts 1 and 7, and the growth of the church, Acts 8 to 12, and the spreading of the gospel from 30 to 28. There is no reformation in Acts or in the epistles. You cannot reform what God has formed. Catholicism, ecumenicalism, their paganism makes with Christianity. Okay? They don't fool me in the city. They never will. They'll never impress me with their crowd, their popularity, their finance, their cars, their looks, whatever they got, never. You can tell if you want to, but that's hell bound. That's not it. I know what truth is. And Noah kept on building the ark. And that's all that's left. All right? I'm coming to the finish line here. I'm watching your eyes and my wife's eyes. All right. Now, look at this, folks. I'm drawing this to show you here. Here's the Old Testament. Like on this side, on the left of the cross. And here is the church, the gap. Acts 1.28. History recorded right here. Once the history is established, nobody can change it. There's no Pope in the Bible. There's no nun in the Bible. There's none, none in the Bible. There is? Joshua seven none. That's Old Testament. <laughs> I know that one too. All right. 
these these timelines are very important to show people who really wants to know. And before I close, in fact, I can't close yet. Look at this here. All right, folks, we all try to share this with me. Okay. The Bible is from God to us. The Bible in your hand, if you want to know that what you have in your hand is true, look through this. When it was written. You don't need some scientific mind today to come and change this. It's already established in ink and in heaven. Even if we change it, it's established in heaven. You can't change that one. Hello? And so we have the books of the Bible. You said one day we're going to discuss how these were chosen and which one were left out. But there's a process that look, God told a man called he told a man called uh, a man called uh, Cyrus to build the temple. Well how do how would he know what to do? But God chose him. Does that make Cyrus saved? No. Every creation belongs to God. And he can use a donkey if he wants to. And the donkey don't know Greek or Hebrew or Latin. But what he said is of God. You better obey it. Too bad if you don't like his version of it. It come to pass. Is that right? Amen. And God never guides anybody wrong or incorrectly. The raven went to the right place. Amen. All right. Let's stand. I can see the yawning coming on. And I know this is a setup. I can just tell it's a setup. All right. Look at this, folks. The mission to build his church, the spread of Christianity, and the history of it. Would you believe that you are the final generation of Pentecost? They may not wear a tie like we wear a tie. Amen? And have phones like we have. But one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God was above us all and through us all and in us all. So, in that gap, he's, he's building his church. And when that church is completed, he is going to come. What? And take us away. The apostle to the Gentile was not Peter. It was the apostle Paul. I don't know why these Gentiles are hanging on to Matthew. In fact, I should show something, folks. Look at this right here. I'm going to show this right here. Everybody ask about Matthew, right? I can find here. Look where Matthew is and look where Acts is. What does that tell you? Look when they wrote the book, the epistles. And we can see that. Now, let's see if you've got a forensic mind. What am I trying to say? Everybody says, I'd rather believe in Matthew more than Peter. When Matthew wrote his. Come on, folks. Stand the wall there. Tell me, man. People a little bit can tell me. Can you see it? How many binoculars or telescopic lenses here? Right, A.D. Where was Acts written? 
All right. Is this earlier or later? Later. So Matthew had a good opportunity to tell Peter, you're wrong. But that's not, not, that's not the first opportunity Matthew had to correct Peter if Peter was wrong. On the day of Pentecost, guess who stood up with Peter? And why did Matthew keep his mouth shut? I said, no, Peter, you're wrong. It should be in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Did he say that? Why not? He said they were together in one accord. So what's the logic here? It simply means the apostles knew what it meant. Yes, Mark gave you the signs. Huh? Luke tell the name and Matthew gave the title on the same thing. Praise God. So we are waiting for this to happen. And if you know it right now, Saudi Arabia. By the way, Arabia and Saudi Arabia are the same. I know that. Huh? And Iran today is Persia back then. And Syria today is Syria back then. And Egypt today is Egypt back then. And the Philistines, the Philistines, are Palestinians today. I mean, I know that. And Israel today is Israel back there. I mean, understand that. And Jesus back then is the same Jesus today. <laughs> Whoa, hallelujah! Now, folks, I don't know if you know this, but... Uh, you have to leave that beautiful car behind. That nice typewriter you just bought and that computer and that beautiful job you have, you have to give it up. Because when Jesus comes, He will not tarry. He said, I'm taking you out of this world and you're going up, whether you like it or not. He won't even ask your permission. He's going to undress you. You folks haven't heard me yet. He's going to undress you. Hallelujah. Make sure you baptize the baby until Friday before you go. <laughs> There's no free ride here. <laughs> One at a time. <laughs> no, we got together. <laughs> Hallelujah. But church, this is going to happen soon. What might it be that next year or this year? Do you guys realize that? I woke up this morning and I look at this, the moon. Right in the back. You folks want to do that? We're going to pass the moon. Pass the stars. Huh? Pass the galaxies. Where no man has ever been. But where Jesus is, that will be heaven for me. Whoa! Hallelujah! I said that will be heaven for me, church. What a day that will be! Hallelujah! My God! You were playing with the power line here. Zook. You're gone. Are there any questions? Besides, can we go home? So you can see, folks, the law gives place to grace. The political priesthood gives to Melchizedek. These are true things. Jews don't understand that. And as I'm trying to tell you here, Jesus Christ to us is what Moses was to them. Jesus Christ to us is what Aaron was to them. And Jesus Christ is what David was to them. 
This is the whole plan of salvation. It's all in Him. I'm telling you, Brother Miles, if you were born in March the 1st, and someone celebrates your birthday in November, you have a right to get upset. Amen. If you're one one person, and someone tells you you're a freak, you're four persons, you're right to sue them. Jesus Christ is the only God there is, and only His church is going to stand. I think the question on this side. Can you believe I'm done? It's a miracle. Miracles out me more and more every day. You just experienced one a while ago. Any question on this side? No question. I like clearing church. Oh my. My pay grade is easy. How about this side here? Any question? Any question on this side? Okay, Neil. Stump me. Exactly right. Daniel is about, it told you what Daniel's vision is for. Didn't I tell you? 23, 24, tell you what it's for. For the city and the people. When God stopped working with, right? Didn't God stop working with, with Adam in the Bible? Did he not? And start working with Cain and Abel. And he pushed Cain aside. Worked with Abel to kill Abel. And he stopped working with him. And finally start working with Abraham. Right? When Abraham messed up with, with Agar, what did God stop doing? Talking with him. Right? God just quit. I ain't talking to you no more. Bye. But then he turned to somebody else. So God told Daniel, you saw more than you're going to understand. Seal up the book. Right? Daniel didn't say he was crucified. Hello, didn't say that, but Isaiah told us that. Hello, now I didn't say I see a church for the Gentiles. He said Michael fought for your his people, and 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 Daniel jumped right to the end of the Bible, which is Revelation 20, where the books were what open. I got news for him, friend Daniel. You missed chapter <laughs> a whole chapter of our faith. Being able to church being born. He knows nothing about it. Never heard of it. Just like Abraham doesn't know the name Jesus. Does he? No. Does Job know the name Jehovah? No. Each dispensation have a fresh added revelation of the plan of God. But when Jesus come after when we're going to the seventieth week, then comes the millennium. In the millennium, nobody dies. Nothing dies when Jesus reigns. But when man reigns, thing dies. Amen. And then there will be a thousand years. And then comes the end. We're going to go right back to the tree of life. Wonderful. So we're blessed, church. I'm not done, but I'm going to stop. Otherwise, I keep going. I'll be here till all midnight. I don't want to give you a midnight because uh, I don't want to fall the lattice and hurt themselves like the book of Acts. Lord Jesus, we thank you one more time.